I'm Dr. Ralph Ford, Chancellor of Penn State Barron, and you are listening to Barron Talks. My guest today is Dr. Varun Gupta, Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management and Analytics in the Black School of Business. Welcome here today, Varun. Thank you for inviting me, Dr. Ford. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I am happy to answer any questions you have. Well, we're, we're going to have a great <laughs> conversation, but before yeah. we do, I'm going to run through your bio and talk about all the great things that uh, you've done in your, your background. So if you'll hold on a minute, I want to make sure everybody knows. Uh, you, uh, Dr. Gupta, hold a PhD in operations management, an MBA, as well as a master's in supply chain management, all from the University of Texas at Dallas. And you also hold a bachelor's in materials engineering. You know, I love that as a fellow engineer from a great institution, the Indian Institute of Technology. You have become really the go-to source for our local news media during this pandemic about disruptions to the global supply chain and all that we have seen since the beginning of the pandemic. So again, welcome here. Thank you. If you just uh, take a minute and take take some time and tell us about your path to Barron. I always like to hear what that is and what led you to specialize in supply chain management and, uh, you know, your experiences here in the Black School of Business. Sure. So I grew up in India and uh, right after I finished my bachelor's degree in materials engineering, I worked as a business analyst working for retail. And during that time, uh, I wanted to pursue higher studies and working in retail supply chain management was one of the fields that came in naturally to me. And when I was exploring graduate study opportunities throughout the world, I looked at University of Texas at Dallas that has a master's in supply chain management program that fit in nicely. And once I graduated from that program in 2014, Penn State Barron was one of the universities uh, that I really fell in love with because of the undergraduate focus on education, low faculty to student ratio, et cetera, et cetera. I can keep on going and discussing about that, but I really loved how the school was well-balanced and would provide me a path for success in terms of what I teach and do research. And uh, I wanted to specialize in supply chain management mainly because of my background and during the PhD program, I finished in 2014, so by that time, there was a lot of interest, especially from companies like Walmart and Amazon. Amazon at that time started its two-day delivery. So there was a lot of interest and mm-hmm. a lot of research going on on how future supply chains would look like. And uh, even around that time, there was talk about disruptions. And one of the streams of my research has been looking at supply chain disruptions and how companies can uh, mitigate some of the impact of these disruptions on their businesses. Well, I'll tell you, disruptions are what we've (laughs) had, you know, and it's not always clear where those disruptions are coming from or why some Mm -hmm. days you can get a product overnight and then some seemingly simple item you can't get for for a week. So, you know, tell us in layman's term, what's going on? What's happened to uh, the supply Mm -hmm. chains and our ability to get products and services since this has started? So supply chains are meant to design... uh, for meeting consumer needs. And any variations in consumer demand will naturally impact the supply chains. And during the pandemic, there were several forces of nature that acted and made our lifestyle, our behaviors change almost overnight because of the lockdowns. So a lot of people, they were 
not going to work anymore. They were at home, and that's when we saw the demand for uh, household items, food items skyrocketing, and the famous toilet paper shortage was mm -hmm. one of those snowballing effects that was because of this change in demand. And uh, very similarly, instead of using all the technology items at offices, people were consuming these items at home, ordering things in bulk for home. And that's why we saw demand for laptops, computers, game consoles just increasing and uh, moving towards residential sector. And industry has to then look at how to move this demand from industry to residential, which cannot really happen overnight. And uh, that's why we are still seeing some of these effects because the pandemic has different timelines in different countries and locations. You know, the, uh, the one, I'm going to go back to the <laughs> toilet paper one because it's so infamous and it, uh, it was something that everybody saw right away. But that, that one seems to me, that, that was like a run on the bank. It was a panic sort of a thing. Everybody, for whatever reason, decided they had to stock up on yeah. toilet paper. There really was probably enough, wasn't there, for us to last some time? It was that, that was just a matter of changed or consumer behavior. So I, I would say there were two parts to it. So, and uh, this rings a bell to me, although I was not born at that time. 1973 was the time when, in the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson made a statement that the toilet paper shortage will be there. And because of that, toilet paper shortage was there for a couple of months. But during the pandemic, there was a natural shift in the demand from commercial to residential people were no longer traveling, living mm -hmm. in hotels. So whatever uh, amount of toilet paper that would have been used in workplaces, industry, hotels, that suddenly switched to residences. And because everyone was buying it, there was, of course, panic buying. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really had a snowball effect leading to extraordinary amounts of uh, demand for toilet paper, and industry was unable to meet that for some time. You know, we also saw, it, you reflect back, we forget this, but uh, the other one early on was disinfectant spray. Mm -hmm. And we were washing everything, and we were leaving our groceries in the garage for a week or two just so that uh, we, they wouldn't be infected, which we found out later. We just didn't know at that time. Mm -hmm. really wasn't necessary, but uh, that was another thing that right. I ran out. But you could actually make, you can make some of that disinfectant from some of your home, home supplies. Anyways, I don't want to take us too far off. I, th this must be fascinating. You're in an area, first of all, I think most people know, they've heard the term supply chain. They know it's important. They may not know what it's about. You chose to teach and research the subject. Then this pandemic comes along. You could have never imagined. But this has given you a test bed to study, I imagine. How, how do you incorporate it into your classes? So that's a great question. And uh, what I typically do in my classes, uh, I have discussion with students on what is going on in the field recently. And uh, prior to the pandemic, we had discussions on who is the current leader in supply chain. So I would give examples of well-known people in industry like Tim Cook, who is uh, the CEO of Apple mm -hmm. with the supply chain background. And no one would talk about Tim Cook's supply chain background because there were no issues at that point in time. But now when I, we discuss and uh, laugh over things like toilet paper shortages or uh, household item shortages or just chip shortage, 
Students are going and looking at dealerships, unable to find cars. So then they can really relate to these, some of these things about supply chains. And uh, we also discuss the potential uh, paycheck they can receive if they are looking to explore a career in supply chain. So the interest has really, really increased among mm -hmm. students. And some of the more traditional fields in business, like finance and accounting, students do love that. But I believe the future classes that will be coming on campus, we may see a lot more interest for supply chain management just because of the pandemic. Well, let's take this to tell us a bit about the curriculum. So if somebody, if a student's thinking about coming to study here, what, what do they see when they study supply sure. chain? What are some of the fundamentals? Right. So supply chain management is really about solving complex problems. And even the construct of supply chains, it's essentially a system which is designed to buff with from the consumer to the retailer, wholesaler, manufacturer, and raw materials. So we can imagine it's a five, six step process that goes on and that may be traversed over different geographies. And uh, we, in our curriculum, we focus on pieces of this supply chain and also tell the students how some of the larger problems in the supply chain arena could be solved using the met some of the theories and methodologies in uh, these uh, specific areas. So to be more specific, we have courses uh, on supply chain management, we have courses on logistics, we have courses on managing suppliers, which is purchasing and supply chain management. We also offer hands-on training on some of the software that is used in mm -hmm. industry, including SAP, and students can actually benefit from earning a certificate in SAP, that is part of our curriculum as well. And more importantly, just like I mentioned, some of these problems are very complex in nature. And one can start imagining that to solve complex problems over time, you also need some project management skills. So our major is really designed to combine these two skill sets of solving complex problems and also managing to solve these complex problems. So it's a good mix of both project management as well as supply chain management courses. Yeah, I think that's what one of the things that distinguishes our program is that project in supply chain. The project management is part of that. And frankly, your background and that of some of your uh, fellow faculty members in engineering, I mean, that's an area where we overlap <laughs> a lot, but you're trying to solve a really complicated problem about Definitely. how to deliver a project in the end. And no wonder uh, why you saw my background as materials engineering. A lot of our folks in supply chain management, they were engineers in their previous life, and they transitioned to business and uh, they are essentially using some of these engineering skills mm -hmm. to solve these complex problems. So very well said. Well, you're also, you, you told me beforehand that you've developed a new course called Supply Chain Analytics and analytics and data analytics is increasingly becoming part of our lives. How does that fit into this whole picture? So Supply Chain Analytics, the course is designed to utilize data to make business decisions about supply chains. Now, since the last decade or so, there is a lot of uh, data that is being collected. And since early 2000s, major companies invested in computer software, in database warehousing. And these companies have now a lot of data that they want to use to take better business decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are seeing many, many jobs opening up in business analytics 
and students are also showing a lot of interest in learning some and picking some of these skills. So the goal really is to teach students how they can utilize data to take informed supply chain decisions. You've got to have the tools, you've got to have some statistical right. capability. <laughs> it's a really good yeah, so, skill and background to have. <laughs> so we have our students working on large data sets from industry and uh, we have partnered locally with some of our logistics partners mm -hmm. and students would work on a project with them, bring in real life data and try to first visualize what that data set looks like, build a dashboard for these companies and then also show them how some of the decisions could be made using that data set. You know, it's, uh, I, I will just uh, put a <laughs> plug in here. Any student who comes in and gets that sort of a background is going to be in high demand and there's just <laughs> no question about it. Well, let's switch back a little bit to the pandemic. If you remember in the beginning too, there were shortages of some really critical things for the medical field. There weren't enough masks, there wasn't enough PPE, so to speak, face shields and the like. Was that a failure to plan on our part, to stockpile the supply chain? I mean, obviously there was increased demand. I think there's no one answer to that because uh, no one really anticipated such a rare event. So although we can all say that besides COVID pandemic, there will definitely be another pandemic in the future, but no one knows the delivery date of that pandemic. And uh, unfortunately, most of these PPE items, they have an expiration date and uh, although there were things in the national stockpile, some of those things were dated. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is very, very difficult for the industry to ramp up their production for these. Uh, very, some of these things were very technical, including the ventilators. And uh, it's almost impossible to build a stockpile of these overnight or in a few weeks. Yeah, and you know, I think this is something I'd like to I'd like to dig further into. You've got this trade-off, it seems to me, between if you want a manufacturer to stockpile ventilators or masks and have enough for such, you have to actually pay them a lot of money for something that may not happen. So you, you have to actually make a huge investment for what may or may not happen versus what we like day in and day out, which is I want my Amazon prime, I want it overnight, which says efficiency. You don't want a large inventory. So these two things seem like what we're trying to balance and that whole inventory management. Right. Are, are we just going to change that now that the pandemic has come along? I think there are companies uh, who are making some of these changes. So companies are looking for uh, backup suppliers. Companies are looking to build some inventories. And uh, the I think it, it is more of a recency effect of the pandemic that ways, uh, and the government has also invested in some of the com industries which are more strategic than the others. So for example, when we talk about semiconductor industry, mm -hmm. that has received a lot of interest from the President Biden and the Biden administration has invested in some of the capacity to be built nationally. And uh, whereas if we talk about some other industry like the toilet paper industry, they're not going to build a yeah. lot of capacity because the demand is really, really stable yeah. over there. And whether people like it or not, there are <laughs> yeah. alternatives to toilet paper. They just yeah. don't, don't like to, to hear that. We really need our, our, our computer chips, our, our semiconductors. Mm -hmm. So why did the semiconductors end up so in, in such a bad place? Why did we end up in such a difficult place with semiconductor supply in the U.S.? Sure. So 
again, I think there are a lot of moving paths there and uh, to pick two streams broadly. So from the demand side, just I like I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of demand that moved from industry to residences. People were ordering a lot of appliances, computer electronics, gadgets, and these days almost every other thing has a computer chip in there. Mm -hmm. So even if you talk about a small thermostat that goes in, that may be uh, one of these devices which is based on Amazon or Google, it would have a chip built in. And to give some ideas, even automobiles, they have these chips and some of these devices can have to the order of 3,000 to four 5,000 of these chips going in one of these single devices. So the demand really exploded during that early stages of the pandemic. And since the industry was seeing so much demand for these consumer goods, there was this thing called bullwhip effect. Mm -hmm. So any minor variation in the consumer demand, it amplifies as we go upstream in the supply chain. So what it really means is when these retailers were seeing some variation or increase in demand from consumers, they placed a much larger order with their manufacturers. And manufacturers, they wanted to secure much more raw material which was the computer chips with these different companies. Now, this problem becomes even more interesting because of geopolitics during that time. So US and China, there was a trade war and semiconductor chip shortages uh, happened because the about half of world semiconductor supply comes from China and about 30 to 40% comes from Taiwan and about the rest is from source domestically. Mm -hmm. And although at that point in time, there was enough supply, but because of this switch in demand and larger than required orders with these companies located out in China and Taiwan, there were issues uh, with these companies as well because of local lockdown. So mm -hmm. for instance, in China, they had to shut down these manufacturing plants for several weeks and that had a ripple effect downstream in terms of other suppliers who wanted to place orders for chips. They were not able to place these orders. And that delay has essentially really, uh, it's, it's going on now and it is likely to go on until the next year, year as well. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's a whole also disruption to the labor market right now. There just mm -hmm. aren't enough workers and companies are having trouble finding people. And I think everyone along the supply chain is seeing that. Excellent point there. And so there, that's why I said that there are more than uh, a dozen features that we can try to explain. Uh, and uh, the great resignation, which people are calling it, is also one of the pieces that really fit into this puzzle. And it has uh, definitely impacted the manufacturing lines. And when we also think about once a product is manufactured, it needs to be brought to the consumer, either through retailers on trucks mm -hmm. or through delivery people. And when there is labor scarcity, we are also seeing labor scarcity in the trucking industry. So there are fewer truck drivers, there are fewer delivery vehicles mm -hmm. that can deliver to consumers. So that's why we are seeing some of these shortages as well. And you've also saw that case where, you know, there were 
hundreds, thousands of ships outside of the port of Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, I guess for some obvious reasons, but it's just mind, mind-boggling to, th- to think that that was happening. Yeah, it is unprecedented, and the uh, majority of us did not expect something like that to happen in our lifetime. But these things are happening, and uh, it will be hard to overcome these bottlenecks for now. And hopefully by early next year, some of these things could be alleviated once the holiday season gets over mm-hmm. and the demand stabilizes. We will see uh, less of these issues in the supply chains as well as uh, internationally once we see more vaccination across the globe. Mm-hmm. I think that will also put to rest some of the issues with lockdowns going on in some of these manufacturing nations. And they would come if they stop these lockdowns, we will definitely see a more streamlined supply chain and consumers seeing lower prices in the market as well. I'm asking you a lot of uh, hard questions today, and you really <laughs> hit on, on my next one, which is, you know, is there a, a normal and a new normal, or is it we go back and two years from now it feels pretty much the same in terms of our ability to get goods and services or do you think it's just a, a, a different reset that the supply chain has changed, inflation is ratcheted up such that it's just a, a different market two years from now? So definitely it's a new market. And some of these uh, price increases, they will be temporary because some of those are caused by supply shortages, mm-hmm. while others are caused due to inflation. So when the government puts in a lot of money in the economy, there's no surprise the prices will increase because of increasing consumer demand. So that is uh, economics 101 for us right there. But that does not factor into account the role of pandemics and other supply chain shortages, which are currently there, but I'm sure these will tease out over the next year or so. But some of the impact of price increase due to inflation they will not be uh, momentary. So they are going Mm -hmm. to long last. Mm -hmm. So for example, the price of food products, which are grown locally and they are still increasing, they will likely not be reset in 2023. Okay, yeah. And uh, you know, I think it's just going to be, people are going to have to get accustomed to it and it'll change, but hopefully, you know, inflation in the long term is is really bad. And we don't don't want Mm -hmm. to see that, uh, of course. Well, you know, we've covered an awful lot of ground today, but I was also interested in uh, the question of your own personal research. Is this changing what you're looking at? What sort of problems are you looking at in your research? So definitely, uh, because of the pandemic, my research portfolio expanded as well. So one of the interesting problems that I looked at with one of my co-authors was the increase in internet demand at home during the pandemic. So early on in the pandemic, since everyone got home and they, everyone started working from home, there was a lot of pressure on broadband companies to maintain their services. And some of the internet streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, a lot of times their service actually slowed down. So mm-hmm. in this research paper, we explored how the streaming companies and broadband companies can manage their networks once they see the spike in demand in their networks. And once it goes back down, right? Yeah, so once it goes back down, still there are some issues because uh, during 
our peak time, non-peak time, when everyone is at home in the evenings, mm -hmm. they definitely see some surge in internet traffic, but it's not the same as that was during was. the early stages of the pandemic, sure. during the lockdown. And I know Zoom, as we all know, we all lived on Zoom meetings yeah. and Zoom instantly became an overnight mm -hmm. uh, phenomena and their stock went through the roof. Mm -hmm. But I think now they're experiencing some problems on the downside and they're not quite sure what the other side of the pandemic looks like as we use a lot less right. Zoom. Not that we don't use it, but it's, it's a different level of demand. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, as we come to the end of the interview, Varun, is there anything else that you would like to add? Sure. So I think it's, these are interesting times and uh, highly unprecedented times. As a supply chain researcher and enthusiast, I was never asked for so many questions and people had so much interest <laughs> mm -hmm. prior to the pandemic. So pandemic is, has been a blessing for a person like me, where I get to share some of the exciting research and the kind of teaching I'm doing in the class. And at the same time, because of the pandemic, I am pleased to share with everyone in the community that there is a lot of scope in doing research or work in supply chains and at Bayern, we do have a very solid program in project and supply chain management. And we offer a minor in operations as well as a certificate program. If you are looking to just get a small specialization in supply chain management. You know, that's a, a great summary. And people think we're often in the ivory tower. And uh, what you've just showed is the what students study, the research you do, it has an impact on our lives on a daily basis. Uh, whether it's pandemic or not, people just didn't realize it. Well, uh, we, we are fortunate to have you here in our community. We're fortunate to have you uh, working on these problems. And like you said, you've been a great resource to the news media throughout. My name is Dr. Ralph Ford. I am chancellor here at Barron, and you're listening to Barron Talks. My guest today is Dr. Varun Gupta. Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management and Analytics in our Black School of Business. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ford.